Chapter Nine of Travels with a Donkey in the Cévennes by Robert Louis Stevenson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Patrick Wallace. Upper Gévaudan continued. Epigraph: The bed was made, the room was fit. By punctual eve, the stars were lit. The air was still, the water ran. No need there was for maid or man when we put up, my ass and I, at God's green caravanserai. Old Play Across the Goulet The wind fell during dinner, and the sky remained clear, so it was under better auspices that I loaded Modestine before the monastery gate. My Irish friend accompanied me so far on the way. As we came through the wood, there was Père Apollinaire hauling his barrow, and he too quitted his labours to go with me for perhaps a hundred yards, holding my hand between both of his in front of him. I parted first from one and then from the other with unfeigned regret, but yet with the glee of the traveller who shakes off the dust of one stage before hurrying forth upon another. Then Modestine and I mounted the course of the Allier, which here led us back into Gévaudan towards its sources in the forest of Mercoire. It was but an inconsiderable burn before we left its guidance. Thence, over a hill, our way lay through a naked plateau until we reached Chasseradès at sundown. The company in the inn-kitchen that night were all men employed in survey for one of the projected railways. They were intelligent and conversable, and we decided the future of France over hot wine, until the state of the clock frightened us to rest. There were four beds in the little upstairs room, and we slept six. But I had a bed to myself, and persuaded them to leave the window open. was the cry that wakened me in the morning, Saturday, September 28th. The room was full of a transparent darkness, which dimly showed me the other three beds and the five different nightcaps on the pillows. But out of the window the dawn was growing ruddy in a long belt over the hilltops, and day was about to flood the plateau. The hour was inspiriting, and there seemed a promise of calm weather which was perfectly fulfilled. I was soon under way with Modestine. The road lay for a while over the plateau, and then descended through a precipitous village into the valley of the Chassezac. This stream ran among green meadows, well hidden from the world by its steep banks. The broom was in flower, and here and there was a hamlet sending up its smoke. At last the path crossed the Chassezac upon a bridge, and forsaking the steep hollow, set itself to cross the mountain of Lagouli. It wound up through Lestampe by upland fields and woods of beech and birch, and with every corner brought me into an acquaintance with some new interest. Even in the gully of the Chassezac, my ear had been struck by a noise like that of a great bass bell ringing at the distance of many miles. But this, as I continued to mount and draw nearer to it, seemed to change in character, and I found at length that it came from someone leading flocks afield, to the note of a rural horn. The narrow street of Lestampe stood full of sheep from wall to wall, black sheep and white, bleating with one accord like the birds in spring, and each one accompanying himself upon the sheep-bell round his neck. 
it made a pathetic concert, all in treble. A little higher, and I passed a pair of men in a tree with pruning-hooks, and one of them was singing the music of a bouvet. Still further, and when I was already threading the birches, the crowing of cocks came cheerfully up to my ears, and along with that the voice of a flute, discoursing a deliberate and plaintive air from one of the upland villages. I pictured to myself some grizzled, apple-cheeked country schoolmaster, fluting in his bit of a garden in the clear autumn sunshine. All these beautiful and interesting sounds filled my heart with an unwonted expectation, and it appeared to me that, once past this range which I was mounting, I should descend into the garden of the world. Nor was I deceived, for I was now done with rains and winds and a bleak country. The first part of my journey ended here, and this was like an induction of sweet sounds into the other and more beautiful. There are other degrees of fairness as of punishment besides the capital, and I was now led by my good spirits into an adventure which I relate in the interest of future donkey-drivers. The road zigzagged so widely on the hillside that I chose a short-cut by map and compass, and struck through the dwarf woods to catch the road again upon a higher level. It was my one serious conflict with Modestine. She would none of my short-cut. She turned in my face, she backed, she reared, she whom I had hitherto imagined to be dumb, actually brayed, with a loud hoarse flourish, like a cock crowing for the dawn. I plied the goad with one hand, with the other, so steep was the ascent, I had to hold on the pack-saddle. Half a dozen times she was nearly over backwards on the top of me, half a dozen times, from sheer weariness of spirit, I was nearly giving it up and leading her down again to follow the road. But I took the thing as a wager, and fought it through. I was surprised, as I went on my way again, by what appeared to be chill raindrops falling on my hand, and more than once looked up in wonder at the cloudless sky. But it was only sweat which came dropping from my brow. Over the summit of the Goulet there was no marked road, only upright stones posted from space to space to guide the drovers. The turf underfoot was springy and well-scented. I had no company but a lark or two, and met but one bullock-cart between Lestampe and Blémar. In front of me I saw a shallow valley, and beyond that the range of the Lozère, sparsely wooded and well enough modelled in the flanks, but straight and dull in outline. There was scarce a sign of culture. Only about Blémar, the white high-road from Villefort to Mande, traversed a range of meadows, set with spiry poplars, and sounding from side to side with the bells of flocks and herds. End of chapter 9